Hi, everybody. It's Father Tim from the parish office here at Queen of the Miraculous Meadow. Yesterday was the seventh Sunday in Ordinary Time, and uh, the deacons here at Queen's preached four out of the five Masses, and I only preached at the 12 noon Mass. Uh, but some people have been calling the office and contacting us, wondering if a copy of that message existed because it struck them, and yet it was not recorded. So I'm going to try to recreate the message that I gave yesterday in church at the noon mass for the seventh Sunday in ordinary time, in case others may find it helpful or useful. First, we'll read the gospel. This is yesterday's gospel for the seventh Sunday in ordinary time. It's Matthew chapter five, verses 38 through 48. Jesus said to his disciples, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, offer no resistance to one who is evil. When someone strikes you on your right cheek, turn the other one as well. If anyone wants to go to law with you over your tunic, hand over your cloak as well. Should anyone press you into service for one mile, go for two miles. Give to the one who asks of you, and do not turn your back to one who wants to borrow. You have heard that it was said you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your heavenly Father. For he makes his sun rise in the bad and the good, and causes rain to fall on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what recompense will you have? Do not tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brothers only, what is unusual about that? Do not the pagans do the same? So be perfect, just as your heavenly Father is perfect. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you. Lord Jesus Christ. As I mentioned in the Mass yesterday, we just have been through so much in these last days. It started a week ago today. On Monday, it was February the 12th, I believe, when the gunmen opened fire at Michigan State and people were sent running for their lives. That shouldn't happen. Too many people from our community attend Michigan State, work at Michigan State, have attended, gone there themselves, or alumni. We don't think these things are going to happen in our community or to our kids. And yet there they were, barricaded in their rooms, hiding under their desks. <clears throat> Sadly, three have lost their lives. We want to remember Ariel Anderson, Brian Fraser, Alexandria Werner, and to pray for their families are so broken. Five others are still critically injured, I believe one of whom is now paralyzed from the neck down. We find so many acts of violence every day, all across our country, all across the world, really, pretty much since the dawn of time, ever since Cain killed Abel, it seems that brother has turned against brother in our world and in our society, our 24-hour news cycle, and all of these devices that force bad news into our faces just make it an ever-present reality that life is fragile and we do not respect the lives of other people the way we should. I think that's reflected in America's great support for abortion, the increasing support for assisted suicide and mercy killings and euthanasia. That all started here in Michigan decades ago with Dr. Kevorkian. And now that we have lost Proposal 3, I think we'll soon be fighting that battle in Michigan next, the assisted suicide and euthanasia. Uh, those issues are coming back. 
It all boils down to the dignity of the human person and whether we recognize that. St. Paul certainly thought we should in the second reading from yesterday's Mass in the third chapter of his first letter to the Corinthians, he said, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person, for the temple of God which you are is holy. Paul would return to that theme in chapter 6 when he would speak of our bodies as temples of the Holy Spirit, reminding us that our bodies do not belong to us. They come from God and should be used to give God glory, honor, and praise. But I think the real challenge is this. If we do not recognize our temple of God, we fail to recognize other people and their body as a temple of God. We use complete and total respect for the dignity of the human person and for the sanctity of human life, and then it all becomes very expendable. We see it all throughout our society, day in and day out. We are temples of God. And the important for, thing for us to realize is that if I'm a temple of God, I have to live accordingly, but I also must realize that other people are also. That means I should love them more, treat them better, gossip about them less, tease them less, bully them less, uh, just be kinder to everyone, really trying to treat other people the way God has treated us. Now, getting ready for Lent in just a couple days' time, uh, we will put the emphasis on the golden rule, treating other people the way we want to be treated. But I think all too often we settle for the plastic version of the golden rule, and that's to treat other people the way they're treating us. And that's really returning to what we heard Jesus say in the gospel and in the first reading from Leviticus this past Sunday, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. If someone has been mean to me, then I can be mean to them. If someone ignores me, I can ignore them. If they've done me wrong, I can retaliate. I can get revenge. I can try to do worse to them. We're not called upon to fall that far short to the golden rule, to have that plastic version where we're just being mean because others are being mean. No, we're supposed to sow goodness and kindness and mercy because as Jesus said earlier in that same Sermon on the Mount, we are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. It's up to us to bless our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. This Lent, I would challenge us all to live according to the platinum, not the plastic, the platinum version of the golden rule. Not just to treat other people the way they have treated us, and not just to treat people the way we want to be treated, but to treat people the way God has treated us in Christ who even though we do the same things again and again and again, and he knows we're going to keep God doing them, God continues to freely and frequently forgive us. He's a fool for love. He never says no when we say we are sorry. God then would want us to try to imitate him in our dealings with other people. Instead of saying, don't you know who I am? Don't you know who you're dealing with? How dare they speak that way to me? Instead, we simply say, forgive as you have been forgiven, love as you have been loved, and do not condemn because you have not been condemned. So Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount was strongly advocating for the recognition of people's humanity, the sanctity of their life, human dignity, but certainly for us not to react with retaliation or revenge, but rather, rather to be merciful and forgiving because that is the way God has treated us in Christ. Jesus wasn't asking us to do something he himself was unwilling to do. Look at him on the cross. 
He struggled for every breath, and yet what is one of the last things he said on that cross? Father, forgive them, for they are not what they do. Was he speaking just on behalf of those who betrayed him, or the members of the Sanhedrin who sentenced him to death? Was he perhaps only talking about those who nailed him to the cross? I don't think so. I think it was all of the above, and it was you, and it was me, and it was for your sins, and it was for my sins. Jesus wasn't being picky about who could share in the fruits of the cross. He took the sins of every sinner to Calvary in hopes that one day every sinner might share in his victory. And we have seen throughout these Christian centuries so many great and wonderful examples of those who forgave because they themselves had been forgiven, not worrying about whether the person they were going to forgive deserved it or not. One of the examples that I shared yesterday at Mass and the one that I think garnered the most attention was about Pope St. John Paul the Great, one of the longest serving popes of the 266 men to wear the shoes of the fishermen and to be the Bishop of Rome. And his was the second longest papacy in our Christian history, coming in at just over 26 years. The longest was Pius IX, uh, who served for 39 years in the 19th century. And yet John Paul's papacy could have been much shorter. Not as short as his predecessor, John Paul I, who died after only 33 days of being the Pope. But John Paul II's papacy could have been ended prematurely at three years instead of 26. It was May the 13th, 1981. It was a Wednesday, and for those who have been to Rome or know the workings of the Vatican City-State, on Wednesdays, the Pope has a general audience. In summer, it is outside. In the winter months, they move indoors to the large Paul VI audience hall. But after the Pope blesses all the people, the pilgrims, and their religious articles, he gets in the Pope Mobile. This is an age-old tradition. And he is driven through the crowd where he can kiss babies and just have people crying and smiling. Well, on May the 13th, 1981, the Feast of Our Lady of Fatima, Pope John Paul II was making his way through the square when all of a sudden, lo and behold, a man from Turkey named Mehmet Ali Agha was able to fire several bullets from a handgun. Four of them hit the Pope and two hit bystanders nearby. The Pope was hit in his left hand and in his right arm and two other bullets went right up into his gut, uh, piercing his intestines and coming very close to his heart. John Paul II fell back into the Pope Mobile and cried out for the Blessed Mother, Mary, Mary, he cried, as the vehicle began to speed off towards the emergency room at the University Hospital not far from the Vatican. In the meantime, Mehmet Ali Agha, the would-be assassin, he was tackled by the crowd and the Swiss Guard and he was taken to the jail for interrogation. It hasn't become known until years later just how close John Paul II came to dying that day. Those bullets came just within millimeters of his most vital organs. The Holy Father took months to recover, and when he did, he thanked the Blessed Mother. He believed that since it was the Feast of Our Lady, of Fatima, it was, excuse me, yes, Our Lady of Fatima, May the 13th. He believed it was her intercession that spared his life. And thus it was that when he recovered well enough to travel, he wanted to go to two places. 
The first, he went to Portugal, to where the apparitions of Our Lady to the three peasant children occurred. And there at Fatima, he took the bullet that had been closest to his heart, and he put it in Our Lady's crown, where it is still there today, thanking Our Lady for her intercession and her grace that saved his life. The second trip was a lot closer to home. He didn't have to get into a helicopter or a plane, just into the car. And he was taken down the Tiber River from the Vatican, where there's the Regina Chaley Prison, the Queen of Heaven Prison, because that's where his Turkish assassin, Mehmet Ali Akka, was serving his sentence for having shot the Pope in St. Peter's Square. They met three days after Christmas in 1983, December the 28th, 1983. And this is a picture of that meeting. There's John Paul II in the jail cell with Mehmet Ali Agha, his would-be assassin. And during that meeting, the Pope forgave that man for what he tried to do. And that changed the trajectory of both of their lives. They would correspond with one another from time to time. And on May the 13th, 2007, once he had been released from jail, Mehmet Ali Akka announced that he had converted from radical Islam to the Catholic Christian faith. By that time, John Paul II was already dead. But on the anniversary of this meeting, on the anniversary, December the 28th, of this meeting in the year 2014, Mehmet Ali Akka returned to the Vatican and to St. Peter's and placed two dozen white roses on the tomb of Pope St. John Paul II. And that shows how it came full circle. One hated the other enough to try to kill him. The other loved God enough to forgive him. And that changed that man's life, turned him from a killer and a hater to one who is capable of being loved and one who is capable of giving love. And that's what the transformation of God's mercy can do for all of us. Instead of having to be judge, jury, and executioner, deciding who is worthy of forgiveness and who is not, who should receive mercy and who ought not, and what kind of obstacle courses people should have to go through in order to earn our forgiveness that we otherwise should freely give. Instead, this story of John Paul II reminds us that we can forgive anyone anything because we know the love of God in Christ Jesus who has forgiven everyone everything. And so my friends, heaven is not far away. We can live for heaven here on earth. We can let go of grudges and resentments, and we can recognize the dignity of every human person as temples of God, ourselves and others. And instead of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, instead of treating people badly just because they may mistreat me, instead let's aim high this lead for that platinum edition of the golden rule, to treat other people not just the way we wanna be treated, but to treat other people the way God has treated us, freely and frequently overlooking the wrongs we have done. And let's continue to pray for those whose lives have been lost due to violence, especially those students of the Michigan State University, Ariel Anderson, Brian Fraser, and Alexandria Werner, and for their families. Uh, the Catholic students from the St. John Student Center at Michigan State University decided to go ahead with the pre-planned retreat at the St. Francis Retreat Center in DeWitt this last weekend. And fortunately, our bishop was able to be there with them and to cry with them and console them and to bless them. Truly a shepherd who is one with his flock.
And so, my friends, that is it for today. I wish you a great start to the Lenten season and pray that this season of prayer, penance, fasting, almsgiving, service, sacrifice, and self-denial may bring us closer to God and to our salvation and help us to build bridges where once there were walls that we might be restored in right relationship with God and with each other. God bless you and have a beautiful day.